you're listening to i mean can we discuss and i am your host astrid ferguson we will be discussing different issues that can be debated articulated chopped up any kind of way there's no real set way to this it could be culturally it could be socially it could just be how we're feeling today so You're here for the randomness, and I hope you're here to stay. So remember to subscribe, share, and tell me what you think. Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome to a new episode of I Mean, Can We Discuss? And I am your host, Astra Ferguson. This is season two, episode 23. And today I wanted to discuss why... You should be helping the black and brown community. And in a way that's a little unorthodox, but maybe something you haven't thought about before. I decided to go on a little research spree, especially since we've been pushing so much the US census that hopefully everyone filled out for 2020. And I found something that was pretty astonishing. So first, Let's go over a few numbers and hopefully I don't lose you. Uh, The population is estimated to be about 331 million just in the USA. While that is a staggering and big number, the US is only the third biggest country. It falls under China being number one and India with respectfully being over about 1.4 billion people or so. Now, why is that important? Well, for a few reasons. First, I think you would be interested in knowing, after I did my little research, I came across this this article by pbs.org, which is three ways that the US population is changing. And pretty much in a nutshell, what it's saying is that within the next decade, it is estimated that the white population will become the minority. Yes, you heard that right, guys, will become the minority and the minority groups will eventually become the majority of the population the leading group being the Hispanic Latino population, which right now is sitting at about 17 or 18% of the population. It is estimated to grow to about 21% or so by 2030. Leading right underneath it is the black community followed by the Asian community. And the white community actually decreasing or lowering in numbers down to about a good 53% or less. Um, So those numbers will be changing, which even more so now, we should be implementing new systems and we should be forming these allies to our black and brown communities because eventually they will become the majority. Now, with that being said, there are also some other things like America is growing much older. Right now, we're sitting at about 53 million or so people 
that are over the age of 65 and about 72% or so that are 18 or younger. So it is estimated that within the next decade, it will that number will increase and there will be more older Americans than there will be younger Americans. So healthcare will be a very, very, very important thing within the next 10 years or so. Aside from that, I think what would be very interesting for all of us to know is what is within our um, backyard. So I decided to take this a little bit more granular and look into the state of where I'm at of PA and see how those demographics change in my own state, right? So it is said that Pennsylvania has more than 70, 79% being white Americans, 10.3% or so being black American, uh, 6.7% being Hispanic or Latino, and 3.2% being like Asian or so, and then obviously whatever falls under other. As far as native Indians here, it's only about about 25,000 Indians that live here, um, which is not a whole lot. Now, I don't know if that number is accurate or not. I know Indians, or let me say the proper acronym, natives from here, especially native Indian, um, they like to be under the radar. Um, I, I know one time I ran into a community which is just for them and it wasn't even on the map. Um, that is their way of conserving their traditions of maybe not even wanting to be found, you know? I mean, can you blame them with everything that's happened in history? It's only right, but I decided to do that as well. I, I mean, I would love to know more and talk to, you know, somebody in the actually the actual Native Indian community because especially here, the a lot of time is spent in our history classes teaching our children because I, I asked this from my own son. Um, or notice this about my own son and his social studies, a lot of time is spent on that. And it's because, you know, Native, Native Indian River were the original people who lived here, right? This was a very big, you know, um, Native Indian state. And we don't recognize it or a lot of the uh, tribal communities that they live in because they're not recognized by the federal state, right? The federal government. So you can't just go there and visit. So as far as that, I'm not sure how accurate that number is, but according to the U.S. Census, that's what they have. Um... The other thing is the reason why I decided to do this research is because I would have people asking me about different kinds of communities and different types of things around here and I didn't really know of many. 
um, especially in my Hispanic community. I know of a few black-owned bookstores that I go to, but a lot of them are closer to the city, like Philly, you know, area. Um, Uncle Bobby's, um, Harriet's Bookstore. Um, the only one that's nearby me that's more in the suburban area is the Black Reserve. So I think that we need to spread out. I think we do need to start forming small businesses in these areas where it is predominantly white. Now I know it sounds scary. I know you can come up with a million reasons of why you shouldn't, but listen, hear me out on this one. If we have it in these areas and we invite them in and we teach them about our cultures and have them immerse in our day-to-day -day lives, maybe they could become better allies. I mean, it's, it's human nature that we tend not to focus on the things that don't impact us directly. So if it does impact them directly and they're seeing this shift, then maybe, just maybe, they would change their point of view a bit, right? So that's what I think should happen. And plus, you know, we all know in the rules of marketing, the people who usually dominate a market are the people who are first in the market. Of course, you have to do it, you know, well. Um, there's many reasons why businesses fail, but that shouldn't stop you from starting a business. There's a lot of reasons why things fail, but you still attempt to do it, right? Because you never know. It's a risk. Everything is a risk. The second thing is to form. I think we need more support groups, especially in these areas where we do live that is predominantly white. In our churches, we know it happens in our churches. It happens in our educational system. It happened to me when I lived in Philadelphia. My son used to go to a Catholic school. I didn't want to put him in a public school because during that time in Philly, um, they were underfunded. Uh, the schools are overcrowded. The teachers were underpaid. There weren't as many resources. And I just felt like it wasn't going to work out well. Um, my son um, is very light skin. Um, he's he benefits from being light passing, but he's also not, you know, embraced by the white community. I mean, he's he's black at the end of the day, um, and that is one of the things that we struggled because he was getting it from both areas. So I decided, you know, because at that time I was a single mom, I couldn't afford a private school. So I put him in a Catholic school, which is the middle of the road, right? I thought by doing that, I was killing two birds with one stone. I was teaching my son about religion. I was, you know, um, having him learn and build his relationship with God. And at the same time, he was getting, you know, a good education, a well-rounded education. I didn't, I didn't think that in this place that we would deal with racism until 
he had three incidents with this one white boy. One being in kindergarten and two being in first grade. So really quickly to sum up, first grade they were in the library. My son has always been much taller than most kids his age. Um, he's taller than me. He looks like he can be in high school, but he's only 12. So in school, this boy who he was, you know, um, sitting next to, I guess, said some things or something. They were in the library and my son shoves him. You know, it was on the rug. So he got like a little knot on his forehead. Um, not the best, you know, decision. Um, but kids do this right okay so I get called of course I talked to my son but apparently these parents took pictures okay second incident happened they're in first grade now they were playing soccer on the blacktop I know it's just a bad accident waiting to happen, right? Soccer is a very physical game and playing it on the bat on the blacktop is a terrible idea. But the point is they were playing. Now my son, just to give you a little background on my son, he is one of those boys who is very competitive, a little rough around the edges. So he can be a little heavy handed. So obviously when you're playing sports with my son, it's not just play. He is playing to win the championship, okay? It is not just soccer. This is the Olympics. <laughs> that is just the way my son is. While in a lot of cases, especially in business, that is a very good attribute to have. It can work against you, right? So they were playing, both kids were shoving and pushing each other and naturally the other kid goes down hard. The boy scrapes his knees pretty bad. Um, he bruises himself right over in his cheekbone area, which is a very sensitive area. So the boy was pretty banged up. Obviously we get called, his parents get called, they take pictures, they send an email and they demand action. What does that action entail? Well, my son had to go through counseling to talk about his emotions and how to deal with his emotions instead of being aggressive. Yes, my son was labeled aggressive at the age of six. That is the new label that they give our black and brown kids in our education systems today. He was labeled aggressive because he's much bigger than the other kids. He's a little rough around the edges, a little heavy handed. That labels you aggressive. Um, and the expectation was for him to fix himself and for him to think about his actions before he takes them. Now, I don't know of any six-year-old that can do that, but they felt that he should. I don't know of adults that do that today. Adults have a hard enough time measuring consequences. Um, obviously, we wouldn't be here. I, I think if we had a very good chance, of, a very good idea of measuring consequences and knowing very well right and wrong, we wouldn't have things like slavery. We wouldn't have things like arguments the way that we do. Um, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't make a lot of the decisions that we have made today, obviously. But that was the expectation. 
I didn't have anyone in my corner. I was maybe one of three parents who were Hispanic in that institution and maybe one of 10 of people of color. Um, and apparently I must have been the only one with a problem or if there were problems, we didn't hear of them. So fast forward, a third and final incident occurs. This time they were outside playing after school on the blacktop again. Supervision, not sure where it was this time again. Um, the stay-at-home moms are the ones that supervise during after-school care and apparently no one was really there to tell you so I can only go by what both boys said and that is that they were playing tag the other boy decided that he wanted to join tag my son was playing with another boy and they said sure allowed him to come and play apparently tag isn't what it used to be it's not like when I was growing up that it was like tag you're it Apparently now you got to race from one side, from one end to the other. And, you know, um, you got to try to catch the person bef before they reach the other end. Um, if you don't, then you're still it and you have to try to catch someone else. Right. So, I mean, I was like, OK, it sounds a little bit more complicated, but cool. The other kid, my son felt he was cheating. Apparently the kid was cheating. He did admit to that. But my son, being who he is, kind of pushed him you know when he when he said no you're cheating you know how all kids do and the boy fell because they were running um and it's the blacktop so he fell and he hurt like a little bit above his hip he had a, a little teeny bruise in that area he was crying didn't say anything went home parents saw it told his parents that he was crying he was afraid to tell anybody again tells him that he was playing with my son they were playing tag he did admit to cheating to he did admit to cheating but his parents said and i quote that he should no longer be subjected to the physical abuse and violence that my child was exposing him um, they called my son aggressive. They called him a bully. They said that my son emotionally damaged him. And they are concerned about the safety of their child and they want immediate action or they threatened to go up to the archdiocese. And you know what the result was? my son was terminated permanently expelled from catholic school a few days before christmas in the first grade for playing apparently that is the new definition of a bully today that is the definition of being aggressive even though her son inserted himself in the game to play with my son and that both boys were told not to play with each other Obviously, both boys didn't have a problem with each other. It was just that when they would play, um, my son being a little bit more rough around the edges, her son ended up hurt. So if we would take it back to like when my son had to learn to be rough around the edges because he was around other boys who 
were hard on him and he had to learn to defend himself they weren't suspended they weren't labeled as aggressive I mean we can think of plenty of times of when we played and we come home banged up and bruised up over a game were they called bullies were they labeled aggressive I mean where the where do we draw the line right with the labeling so that's why I feel like support groups should be created especially in these areas um, because I felt so alone and I didn't have any kind of a network my only alternative was to move I had to make it work even if I had to work two jobs but I was not going to deal with that any longer I could have went a lot of different routes routes I did send the letter to a lawyer at the time because at that time I was actually also dealing with fighting over custody and a lot of other personal things that I was dealing with his father um, it wasn't going to end well and these are the things that mothers like me have to deal with our black and brown children we have to have the talk that early we have to discuss things like you have to be extra soft so you're not considered violent you're not considered aggressive you can't be yourself no bullying applies to someone else differently than it applies to you um, it's a very tough talk that we parents really hard try to avoid really hard but we it just keeps coming up so I think within our own communities especially since we're talking so much about all the system changes that we need to make and we are well aware of all of the oppression that goes on with our systemic racism let's also talk about within our small communities the things that we need to do as well so that we can become stronger united together because when we're alone we tend to tolerate and continue to tolerate in these places where where it is predominantly white the other thing we need to do um, I would say the third thing is we need to spend money within our own black and brown communities um, I don't think we do I think we need to pick out at least a day of the week where we only spend in our black and brown communities now, if you're traveling, you know, we may not have a hotel, but there's bed and breakfast places. Obviously now with um, uh, why is it skipping me? Um, aside from bed and breakfast, 
it'll come to me later there's you know please people allow you to stay in their homes um airbnb there we go airbnbs um find out about those places as well identify places where you know i have a lot of hair products i have a lot of body products that are uh, owned by our black communities i even have games i even have books you know black publishing companies um clothes I buy a lot of things from our local communities as well. Hell, I have a shop. <laughs> Head on over to astroferguson.com forward slash shop. Buy some things over there. Find out where your black and brown therapist and, and um, doctors and they are at, right? Locate all of these. Become better allies by supporting these areas. I definitely think, like I've said before, we need to spread into these areas, open up in these areas, invite these people into our spaces so they can learn from us, so that they can see we are not barbaric, we are not lazy, as we have been, uh, uh, as the stigma has been, has been pretty much hung over our shoulders, like that defines us, and it's not. We're, we're, we shouldn't be labeled that way. And then, you know, I feel like, just like us Spanish people, we have a lot of baby showers and we dress up for these things and it's like our greatest thing. It's like the Met Gala for us. We should have entrepreneur showers, you know? Start those. We should celebrate our people while they are alive, not just when someone is killed. And finally, Find out who your local people and offices are. Become a part of that. Who are the commissioners? Who, who is your local governor? Show up at these press conferences in your school and your educational board with these superintendents. Show up at your principal's office and, and you know, introduce yourself. Don't wait for them to call you. Become involved in your children's education systems. We need to play a part in all of it. And we need to vote. Don't just vote when it comes for the presidential election. By then, it's a little too late. Vote for the electives. Vote. Voting is a, is a major thing. Remember, our ancestors died so that we would have the right to vote. So yes, vote. And now that the trajectory is changing of the United States, we should all be allies to our black and brown communities. It's our future. We're all friends in the end. We all put on our, our pants the same way. We all bleed the same way. So I really hope that we start to see that not only should we be doing it because our humanity depends on it and that because it is the right thing to do, but that we do it because it's our future as well, you know? So that's all that I really have for you guys. Thank you so much for listening and I hope that you gained 
um, some good insight that maybe you didn't know before. And maybe you give this some thought, you know. Um, remember, we are much stronger together, especially now that everything is reopening after COVID and, you know, our future is looking very different. Um, right now, it's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, it's a little, you know, it's a little iffy. <laughs> but you see how together, collectively, as one voice, so much can get done. I mean, with all the protests, um, with all 50 states protesting, plus 18 countries, we're listening. We're finally, finally listening. It's only taken, what, 400 plus years? And it, and it took us seeing George Floyd died the way that he did for us to finally get it. And we still, still have not resolved the Breonna Taylor case, which that's a whole nother thing in itself. Those officers should be prosecuted. There was only one that was fired. Why hasn't that been dealt with? Ahmad, I mean, look what happened to him. Why are we still having these debates? The debates, they should be over with. It's obvious that this is an issue. So now, for the future sake of this nation, we need to come to a better understanding. Especially because soon, soon, white Americans will become the minorities and our minority groups will become the majority of this population. So the excuse of why focus on such a small group will no longer be an excuse. So with that, my friends, I hope you sit, you give it some thoughts, you continue the conversations of becoming good allies, of pushing our communities forward, of demanding change, of not giving up, and to continue the hope for the next generation. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye for now. And that was a wrap for today. Thank you so much for listening to, I mean, can we discuss? Don't forget to subscribe, follow us if you want to see what we're up to, what projects we're up to, and enjoy the rest of your day, night, wherever you might be. I was your host. Asher Ferguson, signing off.